0: Hello, welcome to WeatherSnap. It's Thursday, 20th of October, and I'm Claire Nazir.
1: And I'm Alex Deakin.
0: So what are we talking about today, Alex?
1: We are talking this week about sea ice across both the North and the South Pole.
0: And also some interesting advances in forecasting extreme weather impacts on roads and rails. Well, we all want to hear about that, don't we, Alex? Because we all want to get from A to B as efficiently and as safely as possible.
1: Absolutely. And there's been a named storm by the Portuguese, not affecting the UK, but the Portuguese have named uh, a weather system and the weather's kind of a bit stuck in a rut right across Europe.
0: It really is. And in fact, when we see these block patterns, Alex, we've seen it time and time again. We saw it over the summer months. You get too much of one type of weather. And that's certainly what Crete saw last weekend. Um, Obviously, it's the largest holiday island in Greece and it experienced torrential rainfall and thunderstorms causing flash flooding on Saturday. Rivers burst their banks. Cars were washed out to sea over 300 millimetres in three hours. I mean, that's just a gargantuan amount, isn't it? That's huge.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's about you know, approximately half the annual rainfall across much of East Anglia and the southeast of England, you know, in a matter of hours. That is crazy. We've seen these pictures on social media of the, the roads being flooded, the roads turning into rivers. Uh, a couple of people confirmed dead just uh, north of Heraklion and a state of emergency was declared in the east of the island as well.
0: So let's look at the meteorology behind this system, which actually tracked towards Cyprus earlier this week with, again, heavy rains and gusty winds. We're blaming it on a block pattern, aren't we, Alex? But I think there are other components to it as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, a blocked weather pattern is kind of when the jet stream is what we say is amplified. So it's going more north-south than east-west. Often when we see the jet stream on our weather graphics, it's barreling in from the Atlantic, going from east to west, and that's its usual position. But sometimes it goes more north-south, and that develops these weather blocking patterns. And that's kind of what we're seeing. The weather kind of gets a bit stuck in a rut. And we've had a big low out to the west of the UK, ridge of high pressure across Central Europe, and then another low that developed across the Mediterranean, initially across Italy, actually, but then kind of just very slowly moved its way uh, across Turkey and then further south into Greece uh, and the islands as well. Hence, that's why it caused uh, a number of days, actually, of heavy showers with that with that peak intensity across Crete last weekend.
0: And some local winds to blame as well.
1: Yeah, all part and parcel of it. The Atesian winds or periodic winds, uh, strong dry winds actually coming down from the north of the Aegean Sea, which tend to blow more in the summer from mid-May to mid-September. But uh, uh, when sometimes you get these Atesian winds, particularly in October, this wind has picked up and it, obviously then it picks up more moisture and it swirls around the low pressure that's generated and it kind of, almost feeds back on itself and generates uh, a lot of moisture because the seas are still pretty warm at this time of year across the eastern Mediterranean. So, you know, it can pick up that moisture and it's bringing down initially the, the cooler air. So it destabilizes, as we say, with the warmth below and it creates some very heavy showers. Uh, and that's what we have seen around this area of low pressure that's bring, bringing the, the heavy rains across the eastern Mediterranean.
0: And in fact, it was just a very tiny low which tracked towards Cyprus. But good news, things are really sort of stabilising there now. Obviously, some devastating images and conditions coming out of Crete from last weekend. But people will be travelling there. Some people will because obviously it's half term next week uh, and things look a lot drier, which, which is good news. However, that can't be said for Portugal and northern Spain In fact, the Portuguese Met Service, the Portuguese Institute of Sea and the Atmosphere, has actually named Storm Armand over the last 24 hours. So Portugal was bearing the brunt of Armand. It's a wet and windy spell of weather with some really high waves, but some heavy rain just dumping water across this region. And there's been flash flooding. Trees are down because of the winds. And the other issue is, as you've just said, Alex, is this blocking pattern, which means it's still going to be there through into the weekend. It's a massive system. I and, mean, we look you know, let's look at the charts for a moment. It's huge, isn't it? It's just sitting there poised and delivering all this wet weather.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not that kind of classic storm that we think of across the UK, where you get a deep low that intensifies and heads across and actually zips across the UK in, in, in 12 hours or less. This is a really slow-moving, a churner, as we say, and it's all because of this block weather pattern. Like you say, looking at the charts, it extends down across Madeira as well, so they're covered by this rainfall alert. Um, it's important to note that they've named this storm, and that's because they're part of the system of the southwestern group that names storms, so... Spain, Portugal, France, Luxembourg, Belgium, isn't it, that are part of the group, whereas the UK is obviously part of the group with Ireland and the Netherlands. So it's the southwestern group that have named this, the first one they've named, hence why it's got uh, the letter A, Armand. And yeah, it's going to continue to churn, bring some big problems and some big waves, as you say, to Portugal. So again, going back to what you said about the half term, maybe not great if you're heading there on holiday to Portugal or parts of northern Spain.
0: The name Armand is quite interesting because, in fact, like we have Hmm. um, with our naming system, all countries get a turn at nominating and naming storms through the alphabet. And the first one, the first of the season, has been named by Belgium. And in fact, Armand Pien is a legendary weather forecaster.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. A legendary weather forecaster from Belgium. Another famous Belgian to add to the list.
0: One for your pub quiz.
1: For your pub quiz, that is, that is very true. And I've got actually some of the names that the Netherlands suggested for our list of names this time around were named after famous meteorologists from the Netherlands as well. So it's obviously big in that part of the world. So, yeah, keep your eyes out for, uh, for that when, when we get around to naming storms, but no signs of that at this stage, I hasten to add.
0: No, no signs of that, that that stage, although at this stage, but we do have Owain, Welsh name, coming in at O. <laughs> I don't think we'll get to that. Hopefully we won't in terms of name storms. But yes, there's lots of famous weather people out there. You and Aidan were concurrent one year, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I was I was first. just yeah. like to mention <laughs> that. I was first. <laughs> um, it always winds Aidan up Yeah, the year that Aidan had his name first, I actually sneaked in before. Yeah, we was, superseded. I was named by the... Um, uh, I almost hasten to add it wasn't actually named after me. But Alex is such a good name for a store, I Goodness. think. Uh, but, you know, because that was named by the Spanish, maybe one day we'll have an Alex as part of our naming system as well. Who
0: knows? Mm. Who? If Aiden has anything to do with it, perhaps not. Anyway, let's just move <laughs> on. Um, so it's this time of year where we hear the latest about sea ice extent not only across the Arctic, but also across the Antarctic. So these measurements are taken not only from satellite imagery, but obviously on the ground as well. And it's a real indicator of where we're going with climate change, with global warming. So it just seems a
1: slightly strange time of year to be talking about the sea ice maximum, sea ice minimum across the poles, because obviously the sea ice extent is at its lowest in the North Pole in the summer and at its highest in the Antarctic in their winter so in in June July but we're talking about in October so why are the stats only out now?
0: Uh, Well I think the stats take a while to compile but also we tend to get our minimum and our maximum sea surface temperature after we see our maximum temperatures on land so the sea takes a while to absorb heat And then it takes a long time to then release that heat. So let's talk about Arctic sea ice then. So the headlines are out. First of all, Arctic sea ice extent, uh, which was recorded in September 2022, was 4.78 million square kilometres. So that doesn't really mean much to us, does it, to be honest?
1: No, it sounds like a lot, but it's Mm. actually reducing year on year pretty much isn't it although yeah. you know there's been a lot of talk about how warm the arctic has been over the summer months you know some record-breaking temperatures but actually this year's arctic sea ice comes in our well, joint 10th lowest so you know not the lowest but joint still in it, still in the top 10 uh, lowest recorded amounts of sea ice uh and records going back well since the satellite era really so what's that's the late 70s isn't it so we've mm-hmm. got 50 years and it's it's tenth or joint tenth lowest,
0: which I think in itself will take that. But even so, if you look at the the trends, the long term trend, it's just going down and down and down. And this sort of linear fit, as it's called, it's like a moving average from around one thousand, nine hundred and seventy nine, where it was I would say it's at an index of eight. And now we're pretty much down to four, so that is not good news in any shape or form.
1: Yeah, it really is a powerful graph, that isn't it? On the on the blog, so do go and check that out on the, on the Met Office website if you can, because it's just you know that that line is just so clear. And something that was obviously in the news this week as well, again with uh, Frozen Planet two making a big thing about sea ice in particular and how it's reducing or has reduced in Sir David Attenborough's lifetime. So yeah, go and check that check that blog out and check that graph out. Mm.
0: Now to the Antarctic, where it's recorded its fourth lowest annual maximum on record. So the Antarctic is now coming out of its winter months. So regrowth has been happening through the last three or four months. Our records only go back yet again to 1979, but it's the fourth lowest. And this comes after the summer months where it saw a record low, a record low in terms of ice extent. And the reason why scientists are suggesting it was so low during the Southern Hemisphere summer due to persistent strong winds breaking up the ice and the ice then melting away as it falls into the oceans surrounding uh, the continent of Antarctica. So the regrowth point, I think, has started a lot lower than it normally does. But obviously there are other factors as well. Let's now turn to the UK weather. Um, Alex, blocking pattern? Mm
1: yeah so it's going to be an interesting weekend it's going to be incredibly mild particularly so by night and also by day temperatures significantly above average that's because our air is coming up from the south uh we've got this low pressure out to the west it's not really moving very far but it is sporting other areas of low pressure smaller features and weather fronts that are just drifting northwards and that's what's been bringing the rain over the past couple of days friday's Very showery and blustery. Saturday, actually, we kind of get between a couple of weather systems across England and Wales. There's a bit of a a weather window. So England and Wales looking a bit drier on Saturday, not as many showers. A decent chance of some places, particularly in the east, having a completely dry day. But there will be showers across Scotland and Northern Ireland. Fairly slow-moving showers as well because the low isn't as intense as the one that's bringing the blustery showers on Friday. But then uh, another low kind of swings up during Sunday, and that brings all areas a mixture of sunshine and showers and the winds will pick up once more. So it's a showery weekend, something of a drier slot across the south uh, on Saturday. But all the time, it's mild, mild, mild. The air's coming up from the south. We've been seeing incredible temperatures across France and Spain recently, temperatures in the 30s over France, 35, I think I saw in Spain uh, a couple of days ago, and temperatures across uh, Andorra in particular have been significantly above average. So all that warm air is drifting northwards and temperatures by day this weekend in the mid-teens across the north. High teens in the south and the nighttime temperatures. So, something like Saturday night, we're looking at kind of 10 or 11 as the low in northern scotland ranging to 14 or 15 across the south so the nighttime temperatures on saturday night and sunday night are going to be similar to the maxima average for this time of year so it really is very mild air and that's likely to continue into next week did the 10-day trend a couple of days ago it's half term of course for large parts of the country next week so if you're interested in that it is staying at miles but it is staying with a mixture of Some sunny spells, but also more showers and spells of strong winds as well. So it's mild, but uh, chopping and changing day
0: on day. Well, that's useful to know, actually. Thanks very much, Alex. Now let's head over to Martin Bowles for last week's highs and lows.
1: Here are the UK weekly weather extremes for the week beginning on the 10th of October. The highest recorded air temperature of the week was 18.7 degrees Celsius at Reading University on Thursday. The coldest place was Aboyne in Aberdeenshire, which dropped to minus 3.8 degrees in the early hours of Saturday. Eskdalmure in Dumfriesshire had the largest daily rainfall. 33.6 millimetres was measured there on Friday. The longest recorded sunshine in a day was 10.2 hours on Monday at Liscombe on the Somerset side of the Exmoor National Park.
0: Thank you, Martin. Alex, thank you so much for your time and your insights.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, Claire. Thanks for having me on.
0: That's it for WeatherSnap. I'm Claire Nazir. I hope you've enjoyed the show. See you again soon. WeatherSnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office. For the latest weather conditions where you are, download the Met Office weather app.